0: Welcome to the Splinters podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, welcome to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM and on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. And then afterwards at podcasts.com and wherever else you pick up your podcasts, all the good places, Spotify, iTunes, Twitter, and all the bad places as well, like Cast. You know, we've had a rather turbulent and remarkable year on and off the field when it comes to the lower tiers of community sport, none the least of which, the forefront of that, has been the New South Wales Rugby League. And given that their seasons finished last Sunday, the... 27th of September, it was fitting that given that we previewed the seasons twice over, once before COVID and once after, it's fair that we look back at the season that was as the dust settles on grand final day. And the best person to speak that with is someone who was right there at the coalface, at the front line, and who was there for the last game right through to the bitter end. He's been a friend of ours at Triple H FM, For quite a number of years he's recovered from the grand final defeat but probably the best person to speak about the season that was and what lies ahead given that he will be expected to play a big part in that. I speak of the Glee Burwood Wolves coach Nike Aaron Zammett, coach of the President's Cup runners-up and it's great to have him making his splinters debut. Hello and good evening to you Nike Aaron Zammett. Good morning, how are we? (laughs) And I would expect such a response, no less getting times uh, absolutely skew if Look, let's just take uh, a bit of stock before we look at the season that was almost team by team. Uh, the grand final, great effort to get there, an historic moment for the Glebe burwood Wolves, but came up just short. Yeah, look, it was uh,
1: it was such a good year for our club. Um Making the grand final is something that, you know, we've always wanted to do. We've never made one someplace a few times. But uh <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was just great to finally make it. Um massively disappointing to lose, especially by one point. Um I did jinx it in the morning saying, God, I hope I don't losing a grand final is yeah. you'd rather get smashed than lose by one point to be honest. It's just so heartbreaking. Um the other boys are still pretty shattered to be honest. But um you know, I'm still proud of the efforts of the players, and you know, the, look, at least at least we gave it a crack. We didn't um, we didn't let down for the whole 80 minutes.
0: And giving it a crack was something that all teams in the Presidents Cup, Sydney Shield, and Harvey Norman Women's Premiership uh, did for the 11 weeks. That's all it was. It was an 11-week season right across the board, as well as at the lower levels at Park Football and A Grade as well. Why was it 11 weeks? Well, we'll discuss that in the second half of the program when we look at the future. But so much was packed into that 11 weeks and everyone gave it a crack, given that way back in April and May when the pandemic first hit, we were really looking down the barrel of no football at all in 2020.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was just great that we got on the park, to be honest. Um, it was just, you know, there was talk that it was off, that it was back on every week a club seemed to drop out and then you know every day a a, a team seemed to come in just before I think there was three redraws before we got started um we we had a bye round one then uh we were playing then it was back to a bye so yeah it was was pretty um all over the shop to be honest but um in the end we ended up getting a you know a, a good competition or some good teams it was very different um you know, but it was actually fun to to play those, you know, things out in the bush and experience uh, different style crowds and you know, meet some different people 'cause, you know, as you know, there's a lot of the same people around they just clump up every year in the, from one m Rom Matthew to another. So, um yeah, it was, it was an experience and, you know, with a lot of new South Wales cup players available, um, you know, the Newtown Boys and all that. You know, we we ended up with a pretty pretty good side, but we still stayed true and strong to um to the guys that were there before. Um, and as I've always said, we didn't recruit one Ron Matthew player from another club. It was only um, guys from my you know from Cup twenties or that were already there.
0: Now you mentioned that it was a difference. It was a refreshing difference playing some of these other sides. Did you get that feeling from those other teams like the Maitlands, the the Therules, the West Wollongons, the Dubbo Simses? the Western Rams, that they were appreciating the freshness of playing opposition from the big smoke?
1: Yeah, I think they did too. Like, there was a lot of you know, talking to crowds and, like, you know, some people, you know, just getting bagged out and, you know, you know some of the stuff they were saying. Um, but, but, you know, speaking to some of the players and, and, you know, the coach, the opposition coaches, they were, you know, they said it was really good too because they said, you know, we're we're used to playing the same sort of people all the time. Um you know, the, just a bit of, you know, with the travel and the bus trips, you tend to bond a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, they, they. I think everyone enjoyed it, to be honest. It's like if there has been a shining light out of this, you know, whole COVID thing in regards to Rugby League. Is I, I think it's opened the door for what, you know, maybe will be a um, bigger, better style competition. That's all, you know, across in South was next year. I think that I, I really do think that's what's going to happen now after this.
0: Well, we'll discuss that in the second half of the program. Let's have a look at how this season panned out, the 11 weeks of the President's Cup. You've got to discuss the winners, the Maitland Pumpkin Pickers. Yes, they spent the big bucks, and you'd like to be on the alleged money that Coach Matt Lantry is on, but you've still got to do the business, and you've still got to perform. You were the side that stretched them more than anybody else, so you know about them probably more than anyone else. You played them twice in the last three weeks of the season. And split the verdicts. You got the win in the last round. They got the win in the one that mattered. Um, in the end, probably the two best teams certainly played off in the grand final. And the favourites won the title.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's one good thing. It's one all. Um, you know, we beat them by two. They beat us by one. So uh, <laughs> I guess by four in a game, we up. But, um, yeah, look, I think, you know, they were definitely the best side. Um, just the way that they they played. Um, our only other loss was the Hills, and we did play them in torrential rain. Um, you know, I still think they would have been just as big a challenge, to be honest, if they were in the grand final. But um, yeah, Maitland were they were just professional. You could just tell, even off field, like just the, the staff and just, just the way that they presented themselves. They were, um, you know, they were a very good side. and so you know, that's why it was, you know, it was good that we matched them. I, I thought, you know, across the park. Yeah, you know, the whole Brock Lamb factor, well, wow, he was just, you know, he could just do that, that play, that, that one kick where, you know, you put pressure on him and 99% of halves would, you know, throw a bad pass and put a crap kick in. He would put it in your in-goals and get you a, get a repeat set out of it. Just that quality. If you, you know, I guess if the one thing I learned, if ever I had enough um, finance and money to spend on players, I think you, uh, you really need to uh, buy a halfback capable of... Um, doing stuff like that because, you know, you can mould an entire team around around that. And, um yeah, it's a, it was the difference in the end, that's for sure.
0: The North Sydney Bears were the team that you defeated to make that grand final in the condensed final series. And given uh, where they came from, Jason Taylor did well to get as far as he did with that outfit, given that there are a lot of, dare I say it, Asquith players, uh, uh, a black and white flavour to that red and black side. <laughs> The squish.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, they were mixed side. They were sort of a bit like us. Uh, they, they looked like they were a bit of cup players, a bit of Afro Smappy and you know, some of the uh I think it was the Bears or uh twenties, um, were mixed in. So you could definitely tell with them that they were like a, a cross between like the young and old, like you had some you know, experienced guys in there and then you had some really young raw raw talent in their side. We probably didn't have as as many young guys in our side that were sort of fresh out of twenties or even like that, 20s age. Some of our boys had played a little bit of Shield and Matthew before, but um, yeah, but they had some really good players. The best were still a really good side. Um, you know, we only they should have beat us in round one. They dropped the ball over the line, which would have either or won the game for them. Um, and then when we beat them in the semi-final, well, as you know, it was it was six or with about fifteen minutes to go before I clung to my head, and then things started to happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look on their day, them and like I said, Hill. Either, either one of those teams, you know, I think would have, you know, done just as good if they made the final as well.
0: What about the Hills District Bulls? An, uh, very much an experienced side. Um, very much a lot of players came back. They even managed to coach uh, or coax Heath Lestrange out of a retirement for one more go before he eventually fell foul of injury again. Um, they will be there and thereabouts in whatever competition is thrown up again next year, but do they lack? That Brock Lamb-style player, even though Josh Lewis came to the club, didn't have the impact that people thought that he would have, and he's not getting any younger.
1: Yeah, Lewis carved up when we played him. He kicked the corners and strangled us. Um, as I said, it was a crappy day. That was probably—I've never played him worse with, uh, conditions than that. Um, yeah, but he that was, that was still to a solid side. Um, and I think. I think he was a very similar like. With, we don't have league club backing, so we're, we've always, you know, we've pretty much been like the underdogs, and we've had to earn our right to play and to even to attract good players to our club. Because I think, you know, you look at our clubs and you think, you know, we're really we're just sort of like, you know, junior rugby league clubs that are competing against massive clubs with league clubs. So, you know, we've slowly built, built our, you know, reputation as of Hills, and you know, now it's, you know, I think. Attracting players now, and you know, Hills are just—I think that they—they'll never go back to being a club that really struggles and, and you know, doesn't attract players. As hopefully we will as well. I think we've done the hard yards, and I think now people, other teams, and players themselves actually respect us as you know things that are, you know should be up there at the back end of the season.
0: Now, what about the two Wollongong sides? We go to the, uh, new, the rural New South Wales teams, the teams outside the Sydney metropolitan area, that certainly added something different and have given the administrators, the powers that be, uh, an impetus to go forward with a similar competition next year. Starting with the two Wollongong based sides, uh, who both narrowly missed out, particularly in the Thoreau Butchers case, on making the semi finals. Uh, both Thoreau and West Wollongong uh, gave great value during the season. Yeah, they were good. Um,
1: nothing was better than the crowd at Rule. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, never seen uh, so many people scream on the sidelines, and um, yeah, every single one had a beer in their hands, which is that, that was like a great, the greatest atmosphere. That's what no, that's probably the highlight of our season was, was playing them there. To be honest, but um, that, they were both good. I think the problem for those sides is. Maybe depth. I think when they started losing a few players at the back end of the year with injuries, um, it looked like they probably didn't have the players as backup to sort of take their spot. We were lucky enough, and we faced the rules that. Uh, that Tim Grant didn't play; he was injured the week before, um, and that you know that's probably why we we sort of beat him in the forwards in that game up the middle. You know they lost that their marquee experienced player. Um, and then Westfield Warren, we actually had a draw with them 18 more and they had a crack at field goal right at the end where our uh, ex-player, Kurt Aldridge, actually missed. So, um, you know, they, they actually could have beaten us as well. Um, but then they had a few guys injured and in the back last couple of rounds. They just really started to, you know, get uh, have a job put on them when they, when they lost a the few of their experienced players. That's, that's where I think those smaller clubs, what they all learn out of this year is that you've got to have a big squad and you got to have uh, depth and backup. Because if you lose a few of your key players, the other big teams, will, they'll find you out and they'll, you know, they'll put you to the store if, if, if you're lacking something on the field.
0: And that's probably something you can say about the two Western New South Wales sides. Dubbo Sims came in with a little bit of hype. They'd won those Challenge Cups under much different circumstances and greatly reduced condensed competitions against, well, sides that may not necessarily have been at full strength the western rams were very uh hurriedly put together at the last moment to almost make up the numbers as they played their home games across places like mudgie and bathurst uh, but they will certainly take those lessons particularly the one about depth going forward if they are to stick their hand up and play in a statewide competition next year
1: yeah they um you know again they they had their position in the, in the comp as well. i think all, all clubs sort of played a role. Um, we played them away. You know, it's a, it's a long bus trip. You, end up, you know, you stay the night night before. You know, it's, it's a great bonding experience. Um, you know, we we thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, you know, again, you know they had some good players. We we played them sort of mid-season. Uh, a few guys again were missing. That Jason Bakuya was missing. We we seemed to have played all the all the, all the marquee players seemed to be missing when we played them actually, which was which probably helped us. Um, they were tough. They were, they're, they're a tough side. They played that rough style footy. You know, we got off, I think, to a 12-nil lead really early, and we probably thought, oh, we're gonna pump them. And then all of a sudden, they started coming back, and you know, we only beat them by six points in the end. And um, they actually really, you know, they really gave it a crack. And again, they'll learn from this year. If they do want to come back in next year, they'll, you know, they'll probably try and recruit some more players as well. Um, you know, maybe a you know a, some a couple of paths. You know, probably where um you know besides like you know us, you know, and um, Maitland. Just having those paths that can sort of guide you around the park. And then with the Western Rams, you know, they look. We played them in the second last round. They came out to us. I think they had six players from the previous um, week out injured or couldn't make it. It was their it was actually their last game, so they had a buy in the last round. So look, you know, I think they would just totally out of trips by the time they played up. You could tell a lot of those guys were probably A-grade players, but you know they still, they still came down and gave it a go, and they'll learn from it, and you know, I hope they're back as well next
0: year. And then we leave it to the Wentworthville Magpies, who started the season with high hopes of uh, a four-peat, uh, having won the previous three Ron Massey Cup Grand Finals in the old uh, Sydney-based competition. Uh, they started well enough having won that first round game that meant nothing pre-COVID. And then after COVID, um, reality set, they made the late decision to jump in and play in the competition. We spoke with Brett Cook, their coach, during the season. And a stark contrast to the powerful position they enjoyed the previous three seasons as perennial finalists and premiers. Yeah, when you were, you know,
1: we, we I've never seen a winning side that, not in the top two to be honest in you know even in all the grades, like even in shield they they, they just it just looked like they just didn't have enough enough numbers like, I don't know the the backstory behind you know whether they were getting paid or or not um you know it's what what happens with Lenny happened with Lenny um yeah just they struggled early, and then I think you know just when you're in these short competitions, that only gets you know nine rounds, eight games um. You lose your first two or three, you sort of lose that. You know, you pretty much can't make the top four, or you can, but you've got to win every game. So I think once they got to the point where they realised, you know, they were um, they were going to struggle, they just sort of, um, yeah, they just sort of fell off the wagon, didn't they? And they they did have a um, a player, you know, suspended for one week after playing up, as we know. So um, yeah, they probably didn't help either.
0: Now uh, you mentioned the shortness of the season, we hopefully will have a full season next year in whatever competition is uh, put together, as in 18, 19, 20, 21 rounds. How much of a difference is that going to make for the sides that came in from rural New South Wales uh, and even a couple in the Sydney Shield, which we'll come to in a moment, to try and put something together for a full season rather than just 11 weeks or nine weeks? Um,
1: yeah, that's going to be the massive issue and the massive concern. Like, I, my personal thoughts about it, I think, um, and I think they'll be crazy. I've been saying for years that the run master cup, the pre-COVID run master cup, was too long. It was um, 20 games, and they don't realise, and they don't realise that like, when you play semi-professional rugby league, like some of the hits, some, you know, it's what you got to put your body through for some of these guys. is, Pretty much the same as the NRL players do. Maybe, like, 5% less intensity or something. But it's, these guys work full-time. They get, they have to still train two to three times a week. They've got families. They've got kids. They've got a lot. You know, they've got a life. It's so much for some of these guys to try and commit. They don't have the medical or they don't get the rehab that they need to, to play for 20, 20 games over, what, 24 or 25 weeks. It's just too hard. That's why you need such huge squads at this level, you know, to compete week in, week out, you just, you just, by the end of the year, you have no one left. It's just, you know, you can't get people back on the park. And when a guy gets injured and has to have four weeks off work, they, you know, sometimes these guys don't come back. Even if they're your best players, like it's just, it's just too hard. You know, the, the, the pressure of not earning money for their families overrides, you know. Football, even if they get paid, it's probably not more than they earn, during, you know, with their job. So, I really hope that they they think about that. Like I said I've been saying it for years that it should probably only be like a sixteen round comp. They have the Challenge Cup, which they that, which they put before the season started. The Challenge Cup has always been used as like a trial period because you haven't started the proper comp. You don't have trials; you pretty much get straight into a Challenge Cup. So, I, I really think it would be the, the bigger it is the wrong decision if they made it like twenty round comps. I think it should still be anywhere from probably sixteen, is a good number around sixteen round comps. If you don't play every team twice, who cares? As long as you probably play everyone once, and then you do a draw out of the hat or something. Um, you know, so be it. If you you land on the hardest team twice, it's just with the luck of the draw. Um, but yeah, but that way you could have a couple of breaks during the season. You know with the whole COVID thing, it would probably still be around next year. So if anything was to happen, then you've got a, you know, a week or two up to sleeve where, you know, you might have to isolate a player here or there or something happens in a hot spot. So, yeah, I think a shorter competition, longer than this year, but shorter than the, a normal Ron Matthews comp, um, would probably be the, the right number, 16 rounds.
0: Well, the question then uh, begs that the sides that our Leagues Club backed, that didn't come back post-COVID, not just Asquith that we definitely know are not coming back in 2021 and maybe for a little while after that, but the likes of Windsor who have made an announcement that Chris Yates will be their coach, the likes of Guildford, the likes of St Mary's, those powerhouses, how do they handle having the year off and then coming back under these COVID conditions? You've played under them. You've got the advantage. Yeah, it's
1: probably not much advantage. You just get used to it, but you get used to just the, you know, all the... The way you got to set up floor and all the little rules around it, and you know, just being overcautious with everything. You know, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's an advantage, but um, you know, they're, they're going to just have to get used to the conditions and um, you know, knowing that out of the you know, at any week something could all of a sudden happen and you got to, you know, the week off or a, or a game has to get moved locations. You know, you just got to, you just can't plan too far ahead, but um. Yeah, I, I, but if it is a you know coming in, if it is a shorter competition than a normal one, then um, you know I think that that's smart too because financially these clubs who have been hit by by this by this season, if they're coming back for their first year, like a Windsor, um, you know uh, I'm not sure. I, I think Guildford aren't coming back, but like a it's, it's blacked down. all these clubs come back after having a year off, and because of the finance that the reasons that, that they were out this year does make sense to not go back to a a massive 20 round competition because you know if things happen and if finance is an issue then you know i think it'll just make more sense to be a shorter comp
0: what about fiji the silk tails that was probably the great loss that we had this year the the hard work the hype the build-up that they had they had that one game at home the big win over windsor and then it was all over. They have to start again from scratch. There were rumblings that coaches were changed on a whim via text at the last minute uh, before that round one victory, uh, and then it all went silent. It's going to be incredibly hard for them to get the finances up, to come to Sydney and live in a bubble for three months or six months, a la the New Zealand Warriors in the NRL this season. If COVID is still with us, at next season's kick-off time.
1: Yeah, it was crazy, actually. We were actually supposed to go to Fiji that week. We had him in round two. Um, and I got all my players' passports organised. We got everything sorted. Went out and bought me bags. I hate travelling, man. So I was secretly happy that it did get called off. But we were supposed to leave on, the, I think, the Friday to play him on Saturday. And um, on Thursday, it all got called off. So um, I was... Uh, yeah, it was good and bad for me. Um, but, yeah, the boys were shattered. They didn't get to go to, to Fiji. I think some of the some of the guys only played for that reason. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it will be good if they're in back in the comp. It's going to be hard for them. I, I don't know what they're going to do for work. But like, are they allowed to work on particular uh, visas? or um, visas? If they're stuck here for the whole season, um, I guess, again, that's another reason to, to have a, a more shorter, sharper competition. But, um Yeah, Look, I think they'll add value to the comp. Um, It'll be a bit like the Warriors. If they end up getting people injured and they're they're getting a bit depleted, then um, I don't know where they're going to recruit players from. They're going to have to obviously find some guys from from Sydney, you would think.
0: And that's something that they tried to avoid in their uh, original proposal. One last thing, because time has flown and... We're approaching half-time. When we come back after the break, we'll quickly brush over the Sydney Shield and women's premierships before we discuss where these competitions go in the future, particularly in the light of the one-state much-hyped announcement that the New South Wales Rugby League put out on Grand Final Weekend. But the work factor is going to be something critical going forward. A lot of these players are still on JobKeeper, may still be on JobKeeper or JobSeeker or whatever government uh, support there is at the start of next season. Uh, I know personally that you had a number of players that missed out on both ends of the the spectrum, having lost their jobs as well as lost their football at the start of COVID. Um, It's something that the administrators have overlooked in the past.
1: Yeah, you know, we had a couple of boys this year. We had heaps on JobKeeper and stuff. We actually had a few that wanted to come and play for us that were actually on JobKeeper with NRL clubs. And you know, they were part of squad, so they would have had to have pretty much got released and out of their contract to come and play before this year. So, um, you, know, and, you know, the fact that you know we don't pay... We're not going to pay massive amounts of money... In their better interest to really to stay on stay on JobKeeper and be employed from where they were, and to come across and play you know play football you know eight, eight game competition. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting the whole work practice thing around it. Um, you know, I'm not too sure how that's all going to pan out to be honest.
0: And that's something for the administrators to to look at uh, at some detail and at some length. All right, we have reached half time. It's hard to believe. The time flies when you're having fun when we are looking back at the year that was. We will come back after the break and we will talk about the Sydney Shield and the New South Wales Women's Premierships that also completed and also a view to 2021 and beyond. The vision has been put out there, but how strong is that vision and how can it be executed? We'll discuss all of that and more when this episode of Splinters continues. My mum's critically ill in hospital. It all happened so quickly. I caught up with her at home a few weeks ago, but I didn't know I had COVID. I had no symptoms. A week before, I had dinner with some mates. Tom said he just had a cold. Five days earlier, he worked a cafe shift with Sophie, who said she just had a sniffle. We all had COVID and unknowingly spread it. We can't change that. We can all change what we do in the future. Be COVID safe and save lives. To learn more, visit australia.gov.au, authorised by the Australian Government Canberra. G'day, it's a hat rack from The Bench, Shane Evans, and I've snuck into the studio just to remind you to tune in every Friday night at 6pm for The Bench, Community Radio's leading No Hold Bars sports show, and also on Tuesday nights at 8pm for Splinters, The Bench podcast, as we cover the sports and issues others don't. It might be the European soccer, Shires cricket, New South Wales Premier cricket, or ironically, rugby league in the summer. That's not irony, Shane. Actually, it is. Oi, used to. Get out. Join us here every week for The Bench and for the Splinters, The Bench Podcast, here on Triple H 100.1 FM. Yes, welcome back to Splinters on a Tuesday night. Triple H 100.1 FM On the web at www.triplehfm.com.au And then afterwards at podcasts.com And wherever else you pick up your podcasts Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn And all the bad places as well Mearscast, cast? Is there such a thing? Time to get back into the New South Wales Rugby League Year in Review With the Glee Burwood Wolves coach Nike Aaron Zamet and we'll look at the Sydney Shield right now, and this is a competition which certainly surprised a lot of people this season, starting off with a tremendous grand final where the Cronulla Carringbar Sharks, the last team to enter, put together very quickly, rode right on the back of the Leacher family. Michael and then assistant coach Joe all the way to their first Sydney Shield title in a great grand final over Ryde right Eastwood.
1: Yeah, it was a... Uh... It was a pretty crazy one, wasn't it? Um, wow, was, they, was it twenty-six nil they were down?
0: Absolutely, coming from absolutely nowhere. Ride Eastwood looked so good for so long, but that was the thing about Cronulla, Carribean at the back end of the season, they were finding ways to win.
1: Yeah, it was it was crazy. They um, you know, <laughs> I still can't believe they bloody won that. It was you know, Ride right Eastwood when they played Sydney um, the University um with well, a couple of rounds left. They were actually got out to a massive lead and then I think Sydney Uni came back within two points and then they actually just lost that on the bell which was um you know pretty disappointing. So look it had, it had happened to Ride Eastwood a week previous but um yeah coming back from that and just um you know, Leisha just destroyed him in the when he just decided to to run and they just played eyes up football. Um very hard to defend against and um yeah right Eastwood just God, yeah, they'll be kicking themselves over
0: that one. But still a great season for a side that was out of the limelight for so long, but came back eventually uh, to win a Sydney Shield and then make a grand final. Now, Belrose started the season well. They brought in a big name of their own and Jamie Bura. It was no coincidence that his injury and the lack of consistency of getting their best available side on the park Jake Pickering had a year racked with injuries. Christian Bate, perhaps not the player he was, coincided with Bellrose's fade-out at the back end of the competition. They staggered into third place and were well beaten by the eventual premiers in the semi-final.
1: Yeah, they they just, again, it just comes down to depth, doesn't it, these comps? Um, They had a good side at the start of the year. They looked unbeatable. And then as they started losing their their players, they... um, yeah, they just, the results weren't coming, and I just don't think they had anyone to, to sort of fill in their shoes for them. I know they're five eight, will be out as well. Um, he's a crafty little little player. He played a few games at about five years ago. Will, um, yeah, it was just I guess a bit disappointing for them because you know you go, you know, eighty percent of the season dominating, and then just the last few games in the final was just you know, they just had nothing left in the tank, unfortunately. But um, when they were all there, they were. They were you know, They could probably challenge some of the President's Cup sides if they were all on the path.
0: And then we come to the one uh, team from the Illawarra that made finals football. And it was the team probably least expected out of all of them, the Helensburg Tigers, who have had an up-and-down time in the local Illawarra competition in recent years, came forward with a rush to make that semi-final against Wright Eastwood at the back end of the season. Yeah,
1: they went to the Wright. I went and saw them play after... After we played against Westillawarra, um, I was down there and I just I got to watch them play. They, they weren't went too bad. They had some crafty young players. Um, you know, they they looked like they'd go alright, but they they probably did lack just a couple of uh, experienced ones out there to sort of you know to guide them through. It just you know it just goes to show that the things that sort of you know besides right Eastwood having a very very young balanced side. Um, you know, that, that leisure factor in the grand final is just massive. I just think, you know, with these young players, you've just always got to have a couple out there that have been around and done this, done that, to sort of, you know, to guide a team or just to, you know, to make sure that all the young guys have got something to follow.
0: Now, the teams that didn't make the finals in the Sydney Shield led up by the Hills District Bulls, who, for that brief period on the last Sunday of the regular season, were in the four, and Moorbank, who... On paper, have a, have a good side or had a good side, but were clearly inconsistent. They had a patch in the middle of the nine rounds, but their poor form at the front end and the back end cost them a possible semi-final berth.
1: Yeah, yeah, more weren't too bad. Um, again, you know, it's just just the injuries, and, you know, the team sort of looked like it was changing a bit. Every week, there was a couple of new faces there, um, you know, and it's much like... Everyone, you know, just once, you, once you lose a few of your, your better players, just, there just wasn't the players to replace them with, um, but they still had a good, you know, they still had a pretty good side, and Hills, I think Hills, uh, you know, they suffered because of their President's Cup side was, you know, every time they needed someone to push up, they would, you know, they'd probably lose someone. They Not too many, I, I think, pushed up, but, you know, they lost their good players, some of their good players at the back end of the year when they, you know, pushed into the, the President's Cup side, and... You know, they were still very competitive. Um, you know, they had a draw with, with our Sydney Shield um, in the university. But, um, you know, but it was good. I, I think all these young kids are going to get so much out of still playing in the competition this year.
0: By contrast, perhaps the championship era of East Campbelltown has come to an end. A great era. They won three Sydney Shield grand finals in five seasons, but perhaps the age. Uh, and the dad's army factor caught up with them in the end. They only won one game for the shortened season. Wamenda was no longer the uh, feared place that it was in seasons gone past. Shannon Gallant has already announced his retirement. There are perhaps a few others on the way out from that championship era after him. And if they are to come back, being the proud club they are, they've got some rebuilding to do.
1: Yeah, mustafa sort of Broncos. If you unfortunately, they are, um, you know, you sometimes get to that point where it's, you got to make those hard choices and let you know let a few players go, or, or they just drop back and keep them at club. But just, just you just got to find fresh young players and sort of you know move forward. Um, yeah, they just you know, again, they just weren't up to it this year. They just didn't have the you know didn't have the caliber of players to sort of compete with Shield side with Matthew and a couple of marquee players. Um you know, I think our Finney Shield um, ended up putting a bit of a you know I think put forty on them and against them in the last round as well. So um yeah, uh, I think it's time to go recruiting. Um yeah I'm sure there's plenty of good players out that way that they can find to fill the shoes of the ones that they'll lose.
0: Mind you, um having stuck with that old guard the way they did, um may not attract some of the ones they need to replace them to the club. Went with Phil United, winless. Only the one draw for the season at the bottom of the ladder. Again, a sign of the changing times and they really did suffer at the hands of their top side in the President's Cup, going as badly as they did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I never thought I'd, uh, you know, no one thought the Broncos would get the wooden spoon and no one thought Wendy would either. It was um, not win a game and yeah, was, that was probably massively disappointing for their club. Look, I knew a fair few of their players. like some of their guys actually played with our shield last year. Um, you know, they, look, they just had a really young side. I, I think they were more about giving an opportunity to some guys this year. I, I I don't think they um, you know, I don't think they they really would have thought they would have won the competition when they entered with with some of these guys. Just, you know, they're young. A lot of them were, you know, I think out of twenties and. And, you know, they just gave guys an opportunity, which is still a credit to them. Like, you know, these, these guys have got to, got to start somewhere. Um, you know, it was a tough year. And, you know, even with our with our Shield, you know, it was, it was was sometimes it's about giving opportunities and working towards the next year rather than throwing all your eggs in one basket, trying to win it this year. Um, but, yeah, look, it was a disappointing year for their Shield. But um, I can almost guarantee you that uh, they will not win it with the next year, that's for sure.
0: Now, what about Sydney University? They've had a at history since they came on board in uh, your setup as the feeder team. It's reasonably well documented that the Sydney University Sports Union perhaps has not given them the support that they de- needed or deserved, but they made some headway under the ever-patient and ever-hardworking Mick Habib uh, this season. Yeah, look, it,
1: it, the year started OK. We had, you know, a festive you know, a good squad in, in our side with Lee Burwood. Um, and they had some handy young players as well. We, we were just smashed with injuries. And, you know, even, even training injuries was just crazy this year. We, every week, two, three, four players would just go down with, with injuries that'll keep them out for four or six weeks. And in such a short comp, like, players were like, oh, sort of what's the point of coming back i'll be when i come back there's only two rounds to go that's the that's the big problem with a short competition is when people do find themselves injured they sort of they look at the clock and they look at the calendar and think ah is it worth coming back for the last three rounds or two rounds and you know sydney university we just had so many injuries that i i was taking you know their their best players ended up playing with me and then with the injury you know count um you know, there was a chunk in the middle where they got teared up a few weeks because, you know, we, we couldn't even put enough... Uh, we couldn't even get 17 players, you know. At the back end of the year, we had uh, a couple of guys playing shield before coming back and, and sitting on my bench for me. You know, I'm always happy to, to lend to players and, you know, do what's best for the club. But, you know, they lost the Canola carrying bar by six to, by six points. I think they lost the right equal by eight points, um, which they were only two points behind in the last minute. And then they beat East down in the last round. So that, look, they they came home with a wet foul. Though, if if we were able to hold that those 17 players for the whole year, I think they probably you know should, probably should have been a top four top side to be honest. Because we had some really good young young players from the Shark Twenty system. Um, Isaac Longmire, their their, their captain and hooker, he he added massive you know massive attacking ability to the side. So yeah, looks disappointing. Um, you know. In hindsight, you know, we probably needed five to ten more contracted players of quality at the club to, to make sure that the both teams could um, could you know stretch the year all the way to the end.
0: And that's going to be a key for next year, and we're going to come to that in a moment. But before we do, I know you probably didn't pay a lot of attention to the women's competition. You saw them play along the way, but it produced its own... Uh, fairy tale story with the last chapter ripped out. The North Sydney Bears, who started slowly but were the main beneficiaries of this six-team final series system that they endured and that they uh, put together, finishing third and then playing three sudden-death games uh, to make the grand final and then pushing the eventual premiers, the Central Coast Roosters in the Decider. Yeah, look, it
1: was, uh, you know, the women's games have gone crazy hasn't it like you know there's there a lot of people there was more people there for that game than, than the other two i think um it was it was it was really entertaining they've gotten so much better and you know a lot of people sort of you know showing a lot of interest towards it now the, what the bears did to make that final was you know with such a great effort um you know I, I only got to watch bits and pieces of the grand final um and yeah it looked quality out there it was was really good. I think a fair few of those players have probably been picked up and, and now in that uh, the women's NRL side. Um, but, yeah, look, that, that comp's gone from strength to strength and, you know, it's a shame that the Bears didn't get their fairytale ending. Um, I know how they feel, put it that way.
0: <laughs> well, yes, uh, they came up just short as well. But their big performance was that preliminary final win over the uh, star-studded Cronulla side, Uh, with the Gillaroos-Halves combination, the New South Wales-Women's Origins-Halves combination of McGregor and Studdon at the start of the season. They were everyone's favourites. A bit of a surprise, to say the least, that they didn't make the decider after being pipped by a late field goal in the major semi to the eventual Premier Central Coast.
1: Yeah, that that Central Coast side was was a very good side. Um, I've seen a few of those girls uh, running around and playing, playing before. You know, they were just, Oh, just too strong. But they're, much, they're really well coached, actually. Like you know, when you watch their structures and, and how they were playing, and just the talk out on the field. It's um, yeah, it's just, you know, such credit to those everyone involved there. That it was you know to, to get them to a grand final and to win. It was um, you know, it was awesome to watch. And you know, hopefully that comp gets bigger and better next year as well.
0: Any side that has the luxury of an Isabel Kelly out wide uh, certainly is going to be hard to beat. The one thing that I think probably the women's competition does need, is still a little more depth at the bottom end because uh, quite clearly, and that's not being disrespectful either, they'll probably be the first to admit it themselves that they need probably more players of WNRL standard to filter their way into teams like the West Tigers, to Canterbury Bankstown, to Souths, and certainly uh, to Wentworthville. There were some um, machinations when Mounties dropped out and didn't come back. Uh, which meant that their women's side folded and they had a scattering of players amongst all the other clubs, but it needs that depth across the board to match it with the likes of the Cronullas and the Central Coasts when we go into next year's women's competition, which is now, frankly, the main feeder to NRLW.
1: Yeah, I I think you know every year that comp's just going to get, you know, they're going to attract better players to it, and it'll just gradually it just takes time. It's like it's like with Lee Bellwood and us over the years. You know, we you start slow. Every year you just build five, ten percent 10%. You get a bit stronger, you know, not just on-field but off-field, like just the professionality, the staff, you know, the, the facilities, everything, You just it just slowly keeps getting, you know, bigger and better and then you, you end up getting to a point where, you know, you can challenge the sort of, you know, the more financial clubs in the competition. Um, you know, it, it's just going to take a bit of time before they... You know, there's enough quality players to fill all the sides so that, you know, the competition is, is, is quite even. And, you know, the more those, you those know, WNRL girls that that are running around in it, just, it'll just increase the, you know, the uh, quality of the comp even more.
0: And that probably aligns with an increase of numbers in the WNRL competition, but that seems to be a fair way away. What isn't a fair way away, though, is the one-state announcement as we look to the future now uh With the relief that the season that almost never was, was finally played and has finally been decided and premierships had been handed out, not quite the same in the pre-COVID era, but competitions nonetheless, we look forward to next year. The announcement during grand final weekend by the New South Wales Rugby League through their favoured media people of the one state concept. Some great ideas, some great concepts. Some great thinking, no doubt, between the now one administration with the combining of the CRL, the Old Country Rugby League, and the New South Wales Rugby League, and the announcement of the statewide Rod Massey Cup competition, clearly with the success that this year's President's Cup has burgeoned onto the future, with the hope that the likes of a St Mary's and a Windsor and perhaps a Mounties come back next year uh, to boost the sides that are there alongside Fiji. But there are still some question marks that need to be answered that were not answered in the one-state system, none the least of which is the Sydney Shield. You saw firsthand, Nike Aaron Sammet, that the Sydney Shield benefited from the likes of a Michael Leacher and a Tim Grant and a Kurt Aldridge playing at that level of the game so as to give strength and depth to the President's Cup. And that's going to be needed to give strength to the Ron Massey Cup, given that in the past there have been some individuals and some trains of thought looking to abolish the Sydney Shield. Yeah, look,
1: um, you know, next year is definitely going to be interesting. Um, you know, if, if the Ron Massey Cup, you know, the teams that will come back, as you said, the you know, St Mary's, the Windsors, if they all come you know, they all come back into the competition, if most of the teams from the President's Cup this year stay, um, you know, and they are looking at uh, a couple more. Was um, it Tamworth? I think they yeah. mentioned there's a few sides from all over the place that they're looking at bringing in. Um, you know, as, as, I think it'll be enjoy, an enjoyable comp. It'll be good to have some of these other clubs back as well that you know we're used to playing. I, I enjoy the year without playing them, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's always fun to get them back. Um, but yeah, not sure what will happen with the Sydney Shields because. Um, yeah, you know, this year was a, a success. It's just, you know, I just hope there's enough, you know, quality players, and I just don't know how the, the structure or the setup of the comp is going to going to look in the end.
0: That first part of the structure will be the Canterbury Cup, uh, given that we expect that competition to return next year. It was uh, cancelled very early in the piece. It was cancelled after those first uh, couple of rounds, uh, primarily almost at the behest of the NRL to allow their top 25 to stay in bubbles for the remainder of the season. And that's going to be the key if we are to have a Canterbury Cup for the Ron Massey Cup to feed into in 2021,
1: isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think if, um, if if the Canterbury Cup back to how it was, you know, 2019, where the the players, you know, there's no bubble, the left over NRL players to feed back into a Canterbury Cup. You know, you, you'll end up with a you know a strong competition. You know, all the, I'm pretty sure all the clubs, you know, will be back, and that would, you know, then leave players to feed down into you know a Ron Massey sort of competition. If there is no, if there is still that bubble system, and you can't, you know, they can't work it out for some reason, and you're not allowed to have players drop back, then yeah, if they still had a Canterbury Cup, whether it's even called a Canterbury Cup or it just becomes a New South Wales Cup, or however it's going to work, then, um, yeah, without the NRL players dropping back, it'll it'll probably be quite expensive for a lot of those clubs to, you know, because you'd you'd have to be paying every single player yourself without any of the NRL guys back. Um, It could be a bit expensive. Um, Yeah, and then what that would do is probably deplete the run massive because then a lot of the the quality run massive cup players will find themselves running around in in a New South Wales Cup. So, you know, then that would take the Shield guys up to Massey and then there won't be that much left of a Shield. So, it's um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting what they do. I think they really need to, um, you know, one way or another, to sort of find out what's going on soon so that, you know, I guess clubs can start planning and, um, you know, I know already after, you know, 48 hours after losing the grand final, I've already copied about five messages from, people asking what's happening for for 2021. So it it won't be long before all these clubs are are, are going to get inundated with players and people calling them to to know what's happening.
0: Well, the base uh, uh, behind all of this is where we stand with COVID. There's no sign from the state government at the moment that there'll be an easing of restrictions anytime soon. The four square metre rule, even though it really didn't apply to a lot of football grounds this season that I went to, uh, undercover and otherwise, uh, is still going to be there there's no vaccine there's no treatment so we may very well be living in this uh, COVID bubble for another 12 months Re- the history of the last great pandemic a century ago suggested that it took nearly three years to get out of the spanish flu it may take that long here if that is the case then everything's up for grabs one thing we do know is that there will be no coverage of whatever canterbury cup system or competition, or Queensland competition there will be if it's equivalent, on Channel 9's free-to-air network. That was the first victim very early on in the piece of the tougher negotiations for NRL rights between 9 and the NRL. There are some descriptions and some rumours flying around that maybe the ABC could pick up the Canterbury Cup on free-to-air. We don't know what uh, Foxtel and pay television are going to do with the Canterbury Cup, if that comes back next year. And there was no mention of that whatsoever in the one-state concept. Yes, the Massey Cup was there, but the Canterbury Cup and the Sydney Shield were conspicuous by their absence. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I guess it's, um, yeah, it's all up in the air. Um, you know, look, there's, there's a place... We, we need the Canterbury Cup back to put the players, the, the club, everyone needs it back. There needs to be a second-tier competition, end of story. Um you know, and we need, know, need a sydney shield and you do you need a sydney shield they they all they all play a, a valuable piece because without one, the other one suffers as we as we saw this year, so you know if if there's a cup then we get some good players back you know that are that are cup quality players that keeps us alive that gives us play the feed back the shield and you know um, without a canterbury cup, i just it's, you're just missing the most important piece really, and you're going to lose so many players to the game that's the other massive issue is. I don't know where all the, a lot of players that are, you know, fringe general players that that aren't getting a game, you know, it, it, it's it's going to be tough. But um, you know, look, I, I just hope they can they can work it out and all three competitions are, are back to some sort of normality next year, and we can have it. You know, your shield, your massie, and your cup, and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of it's sort of what the game needs to be honest. Otherwise, you know, I don't know what a lot of these guys are going to just start, you know, doing other things to be honest.
0: And we've seen that in the Northern Corridor, where the Hornsby Lions, Rugby Union side, were the main beneficiaries of the demise of the Asquith Magpies and them pulling out of Ron Massey and Sydney Shield at least for 2021. And with the announcement that Pat Wisner has found a gig in the North Sydney Bears system under Jason Taylor for at least 2021, uh, the road is a long way back for Asquith, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it seems that way. Um, you know, I've got a really good relationship with, with everyone at Upworth. Um, You know, Brian Forma, like, you know, they're, they're really good blokes. I, I hope they come back into the comp. You know, you hate playing them and you rock up to their ground and, you know, the, the immortal enemies when you're there, but as soon as the, the whistle, you know, goes and the game's finished, it, you know, it's a good club, good people there. Um, you know, I, I hope they're they can be back sooner rather than later. It's just, yeah, it's just really unfortunate. You know, like, just, whoever would have thought that this will happen to the world. And, you know, it's, um, fortunately, things like this are just a byproduct of what's happened. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, we can't have too many people running around playing rugby union. You'll put too many people to sleep, wouldn't
0: you? Oh, jeez. That's another story for another day. The one thing that also disturbs me is the fact that the administration themselves, I don't think, know what's going to happen. I know for a fact that outside of the executive... Nearly all the New South Wales Rugby League staff this year were A, not only on JobKeeper, but B, also on data restrictions, i.e. they were restricted in the number of days per week they could work and they were restricted in the number of hours per day they had access to the New South Wales Rugby League system. I find that nothing short of incredible for an organisation that declared in their recent annual report before covid that they had $21 million in the bank. That is another story for another day. You know what? We've just about run out of time. Uh, we're approaching full time. It's incredible how time flies when you're having fun. You mentioned uh, on another program, Nike Aaron zamet that if you had won the grand final, you would have hung up the coaching clipboard. Can you categorically say that you'll be back in whatever competition is thrown at you in 2021?
1: Yeah, I said, you know... I've just wanted to. I've just always wanted to win the comp. You know, it's been a, a goal and a dream to sort of win it. But the most important thing for me is just leaving the club in a, in a you know, in a place where if I wasn't around, they could, you know, continue. I'm not saying I run everything and I'm the be or and end-all at Glebe burwood but um, I just feel like there's unfinished business. I would have loved to have won the comp and then had a year next year where maybe I would just become a trainer. Not sure how well I would go on the field next to the referee. I'd probably last a week. But um yeah, look it would have been I would have done something different. I, you know, I just would have been able to sort of, you know, have that one year where I think, you know what, I can have a relaxing year and enjoy maybe being a trainer or an assistant of some sort. But um it wasn't to be. So um, you know, I'm still I probably at this moment will do it again. Um but yeah, I might uh, get a for coach again and go back to the old days of having having someone else there next to me rather than doing it all by myself.
0: Hopefully we do see you back in 2021. Thank you so much for what you gave to the game for those 11 weeks and beyond this year. Enjoy the summer. We will catch up soon.
1: Thank you very much. And, yeah, thanks for supporting us, you know, me and the club over all these years. And, um, yeah, I no, re- really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I'll be back. The referees will miss me too much if I'm not.
0: So. <laughs> Nike Aaron Samut, the uh, glebe De- Wolves coach. That wraps up this episode of Splinter's for another Tuesday night. We'll be back again next Tuesday at 8 o'clock and then at podcasts.com shortly after. Until we meet again, I'm the Sultan Tony Dosen. Be good or be good at it. From this episode of Splinters, it's goodbye.